I'm Jacob Siciliano, joined here as always by Nolan Hamilton, and I'm excited to announce that here at Rivals Podcast, we are back in full swing. But just because we decided to take a break doesn't mean sports did. Baseball kicked off just over a month ago, and it seems that the Cubs are off to a hot start under new manager David Ross. Nolan, doesn't it just feel great to say that? Baseball's back. It feels great to hear, it really does feel great to hear that baseball's back. I mean, I've been dying for sports pretty much the whole summer until we lined up and finally got baseball. I, out of all the sports come back, I did not think baseball would be the first of all all the stuff that Manfred came out, but I'm happy baseball's back, and I'm enjoying watching it every night. It's really fun. Yeah, and, and you kind of have to enjoy it while you still can, just because of the fact that, you know, Manfred, he threatened to pull the plug on it. With more players testing positive, Commissioner Manfred told Players Association head Tony Clark, listen to this, that if the sport doesn't do a better job managing the virus, MLB could shut down the season. I mean, all it takes is one or two more of these giant outbreaks like the Cardinals or the Marlins, and the whole season's up in flames. So you really have to enjoy those games while you still have them. Yeah, I agree with you there. But also at the same time, I think the Cardinals have just recovered and the Marlins have recovered. And we haven't heard anything about a team having an outbreak since. I mean, a few teams have had a few cases, but nothing that's like been an outbreak like the Cardinals or Marlins. But here's the most interesting thing. The, Car- the Marlins are first place in the division, which if you told me that when the season started, I'd call you crazy. Because first of all, they had so much people out on their um, on their injured list, and now they're coming back together as a unit, and they're playing very good baseball. I watched them the other day on ESPN, and they were they're hitting the ball. Their pitching was nice. And it's the Marlins. Like You don't expect that from that team. Yeah, I mean, they were one of the bottom teams in the MLB last year. And, you know, getting off to a 9-7 and seven start isn't too bad, especially when you lose half your team to COVID-19. Uh, if you aren't wondering about the update on their game right now, it's top of the eighth. They're losing 4-2. to two. So it looks like they're going to fall to 9-8. and eight. But, you know, for a team that was bottom, like, bottom two in their division last year, you know, it's a, it's a big uptick. It, it's huge. And... Especially when you have a team like that, that's the Marlins, that you don't expect to do anything. If they do something, that fan base gets excited. I've been hearing excited Marlins fans, or I've been hearing Marlins fans talking for the first time in years since maybe Stanton was there. Yeah. Which was, it seems like forever ago. He was a one man show when he was there. But, you know, yeah. yeah I'm still holding on hope for an NFL season, though. I mean, we haven't heard anything, and we've already gotten into the 14 padded practices that we have, and. You know, things are starting to look good, and I'm glad to be reading some Bears reports. That makes me very happy. But like we said, I mean, the Cubs the Cubs this year have been off to a really hot start. going to do it. Javi Baez with a base hit. Bodie scores. Cubs win. I mean, they're sitting in second place in the National League right now. They're 14-7. And, and, you know, getting off to a hot start is more important this season more than ever. I, I really like the way Ross has kind of managed this and the way he said that every game really does matter. Like, in a one two game, yeah, every every game does matter, but that is amplified so much more because basically a win in this season is like three wins in a normal season. Yeah, the big actual... lead in your division is like multi, much more multiplied than it would be normally. Yeah, the actual stat is, is 2.7 games. You're, you're completely it's right. 2.7, yeah. And if you look at it, 
I would kind of expect the Cubs to be one of these teams that would thrive in this type of scenario. If you look over like the last three years, how have the Cubs closed out their schedule? They've closed it out with a division uh-huh. race, right? They, fish, they finished it out with like a 60-game stretch where they have like literally no rest and they play every, every day. I mean, then that's literally exactly what the season is. And on top of that, you have that pressure of the Brewers or the Cardinals or heck, even the even the Reds this year, like on your tail. You know, the Cubs are used to that. And it's it's great to see them thrive. I feel like a new face, someone else besides Joe Madden telling them what to do. And love Joe Madden, all props to him. I mean, he brought Chicago something that people have wanted for 108 years. But But sometimes you just need someone new to tell you the same thing for it to click, if that makes sense. Like when, you know, my, my dad will yell at me sometimes about this. I'll be like, hey, dad, check out this new baseball tip I learned. He'd be like, I told you that two weeks ago. But because I heard it from someone else, because I hear things from my dad all the time, it, it clicked, if that makes sense. It's, it's so understandable to hear it like that. And I feel like one of the biggest things I have noticed about Ross's Madden doing, I've talked to you about this before, but I'm going to echo it again for the podcast. Pitching, the starting pitching, the, the bullpen's been shaky. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But the starters have been throwing a lot more strikes than usual, and I and I chalked that up to one thing. The, pit, the pitch framing by Contreras and Caratini has been so much better than it was under Madden. It's really made me happy. Usually... That when you were watching the Cubs, those strikes, those strike calls never went their way. Now they're starting to because I believe that's because of Contreras' good pitch framing and Caratini's fantastic pitch framing as lately. And I think that is a subject of you having a veteran catcher as your manager. He can really help with that, and I think it's shown immediately. Yeah, I mean, their team ERA is at 406 right now, but you have to factor in the bullpen and Craig, Craig Krimrill's like, ERA, which is in the 80s or something like that. Something ridiculous. But the starters have really carried this team through this stretch so far. And it's great to see some of these older guys like John Lester, you know, posting up these zero-run games. It's it's great to see that because coming into the season, I don't think anyone expected that out of Lester. Yeah. Lester was... Lester always seems to be better in like the even. The, he has the even year thing, where it seems every even year Lester's better than expected, and every odd year is a little bit worse. If you can look at the stats, and the stats back us up. Even when he was in Boston, they backed up. He's always been one of the guys that every other year he's been pretty good, and this is his other year where he's actually been above expectation. I, I think everyone the starters has been above ex- expectations. For gosh sakes, Alex Mills has been pitching really well. Alex freaking Mills. I love Alex Mills, but I never expected him to be a decent five-starter. Oh, I, I was the same way. But, I mean, and he was great throughout his last start, too. He just kind of had that one inning that blew up on him. and But otherwise, and besides that, everything was working for him. And I love when I see him go from uh, his 90-mile-an-hour fastball to that 68-mile-per-hour curveball. That just makes me so happy to see that and just see the like the fear in the hitter's eyes. I, I don't know. It's just hilarious to watch. And, but it's been working out for the Cubs. And like I said, Lester's sub-3 ERA. He's got a 2.74. That's that's almost a full point below his career ERA. So he's having a great year. And hopefully if this Cubs starters can keep this up, they'll ride him right into you know maybe a 
a top seed in the playoffs. I, it would be re- it would be really interesting to see if this Cubs team can keep this progress up because you have to have a good bullpen in baseball usually. But I wonder how much a sixty game season affects your bullpen. Like I wonder if it makes your bullpen less or more important because it's because there's count, there's benefits to both. But I've heard the claim that your bullpen that the Cubs are doing better because the bullpen is not as much on them because your starters been going so late in the games and then you could put in like Kyle Ryan or Rowan Wick, and then put in Jeffries at the end. Because he's, he, I don't think he's given up a hit yet. Maybe he gave up a hit the other night, because I didn't hear. But so far, he's not given up a hit, is what I've heard. Yeah, I'm, They've been talking about that on Marquee Network, which I've actually, I love Marquee Network a lot right now. Because I think it's I think it's better than CSN. Yeah, for for person that has, that has wow at the moment, I'm not able to get marquee network so i've been i've been using a few of my own ways to watch games and whatnot but it's I, I don't know for me it's not my favorite i feel like just personally with wgn it's just such a history with the cubs it's always i mean sitting down on a, on a sunday afternoon just turn on channel nine and you're watching the cubs game and it's just something that kind of brings joy to me and you know when they took that away i was kind of like okay but if you kind of look at it in terms of now that COVID's happened and team revenue and whatnot, the teams that don't have these networks are not going to have that revenue coming in. So, you know, maybe maybe the Cubs were better off running this for the season. I don't know. I, I would be much happier if it was on WGN. But one thing that I wanted to point out was, yeah, the, the bullpen has been pretty terrible. But Jeremy Jeffress has been kind of a bright spot in that bullpen. I mean, he's a sub-1 ERA right now. He's sitting at point nine, and he has two yeah, saves on the year. He's impressive, and I think he's going to be your end of the year starter unless Rowan Wick can prove more stuff. I, I'm a Rowan Wick fan, so I think eventually he's going to get the closing job. Maybe not this year, but next year I think he will. But Jeff or Jeffress, he's been—I remember him a walkie, and I remember him being pretty good a few years ago, and then he just fell off a few years ago, and he's kind of just—he's come back as a cop just like randomly like there's something in the baseball you can't explain you can't explain how he just became another shutdown guy just randomly out of the blue i'm not complaining though yeah i mean i mean when you have a bullpen this shallow right now and i know it's it's kind of hard to say shallow but everyone's had their struggle so far you, you kind of take what you got you have to ride the hot hand you know obviously kimberl was not the player that we thought he was going to be coming in i mean here's a crazy little stat for you like in the 400 games before Kimber was traded to the game to the Cubs, that's like over five seasons, pretty much. He let up one home run. Yeah. Right. Wow. In 25 so games. Those are the year- in 25 games that he was with the Cubs, he's let up five home runs. 25 yeah, that's, games. That's just on. Um, that's ridiculous. He those five seasons he's played with Atlanta and Boston, right? Yes. Do you think it's? I don't know. There's no true way to explain that besides he just has gotten a lot worse. I'm trying to justify it, but you can't justify it. I don't, maybe it's the beard, he's dude. Bad. He's, he shaved his beard. <laughs> yeah, he looks like a child. I know. Like He looks so weird about the beard. He needs to grow that beard out. He does. He does. I agree with you on that. But, you know, obviously, when you don't have a bullpen that's clicking, what's been carrying these Cubs are these kind of these, these late-inning rallies and tack-ons, and leading that has been uh, Happen Kimbrough. 
Happen Kipnis, excuse me. I mean, Hap's been hitting 297, leading off. He's been looking great out there. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, he had a home run earlier today. Yeah, he had a home run earlier today. It was didn't, he just, He's been able to hit the ball. He's been seeing the ball well. And Ian Happ, he, what a story he's had. I mean, last year, maybe, no, it was last year, he got called down to triple A, and now he's back in the majors and seeing the ball really well. At, at point, people thought Ian Happ was a lost cause. Now he's kind of come back to the majors and made a pretty big impact. I'm happy for the guy. Oh, yeah, anytime you're hitting around 300, that's, that's kind of a good sign. And Kipnis was a guy that... People didn't know originally if he was going to make the roster. Like, they were talking about, like, we did these three second basemen, Descalzo, Kipnis, oh, God, and Horner. Yeah. And it, it was like, one of, one of these guys isn't going to make the roster, so so who's it going to be? Is it going to be Kipnis? And, you know, obviously Kipnis showed some flashes enough to stay on, and now he's, he's hitting 333. I mean, yeah. that's been amazing for the Cubs so far. And other guys like Rizzo and Schwarber have been up there, but, you know, the two eye-popping stats are Hap's two ninety-seven batting average and Kipnis's three thirty-three batting average. So you, you know, when you have an offense that's popping like this so far, it's it's good to see. Mm-hmm. I was I'm happy with the way the team is playing, especially I like I like how the bottom of the order is hitting. Like you even got guys like Jason Hayward that's hitting pretty well. Like and will I will Kucherov has been playing pretty well as he always has. Um, only guy that I really noticed that has been really struggling at the play is Javi Baez, and he's he's hitting 200, and he has not had a hit in a, like I think three or four games, and he's one for 23 in the last 10 games, which is unacceptable for him. Yeah, I mean, I don't know, I don't know where his mindset went. I I really liked what his mindset was, kind of last year, in terms of the fact that he was taking a lot of balls the other way, and he was taking the pitch where it was pitched, if that makes sense. Like, if the pitch was outside, he was going to take yeah. it to right field. He wasn't trying to pull everything for a 400-foot home run. And from what I've been watching, he's just been swinging out of his shoes again. And I don't know yeah. what got in his head, but he went from an MVP-caliber player to to a guy that's hitting 200. Like, that's near the Mendoza line. Like, yeah, what, what's line, going on? I don't know. It's I think people are starting to maybe learn how to pitch Javi, where he's going to swing at everything. If you can mix up a good mix of pitches, he's he's going to miss every time because he swings at almost everything, which is a blessing and a curse for him. He yeah. just has to learn how to be more selective. Uh, you've been I've been saying that his since his rookie year that he swings way too much, but it worked and it it was miraculous how it worked. But now if it doesn't work, he may need to change things up. But it's still early. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna be like panic. Javi's not. Javi's broken. Javi's broken. I don't think that. I think he's. He's just in a slump. Well, yeah. If you look at. If you even look at last year, flip it right. John Lester mm-hmm. was, one of these players that made the All Star team in the first half of the year, and then he just fell off. So, you never really know. Sometimes all it takes is a, sh- a short break. Sometimes all it takes is, you know, a, a good night where you go two for three and things can start falling your way. It, it's all about a mindset with these players. And, I mean, if you remember Chris Bryant from a couple of years ago when he suffered that shoulder injury, his his, yeah. his shoulder wasn't right. His swing wasn't right. His mindset was messed up. And he wasn't the same player that he was back in 2016. And I, if we're going to be honest, he really hasn't been since. So, it, no, and I feel like what Ross has been able to do is 
he's been able to kind of get that mindset back, that hunger back for this Cubs team, which kind of after 2016 kind of was just satisfied. And as a baseball club, as a team that's expected to win, you never really want to be satisfied, right? You always have to have that chip on your shoulder and that hunger, and that's what drives you to win championships. Because obviously, if you look back at that 2017 NLCS game, the Cubs were just as evenly matched as the Dodgers. I don't care what anybody says. The Dodgers just wanted it more. Yeah. And they didn't, they didn't finish the job either. Well, I don't know how much that, that their fault was at that point. Because thanks, Houston. But. Yeah. Well, if we're talking about playoffs again, the, the Blackhawks finally got themselves a win against the Golden Knights the other day. They're still down 3-1 to one in the series. But I don't know. Chicago 3-1 sounds like a, a storybook ending for me. So... We'll see if the, the Hawks can, can pull that out. Corey Crawford really was an impact in that game. I've, I've, I've been dying for playoff hockey since, since 2015, 2016, whenever they were back in playoff. The playoff hockey, there's, it, it is so fun to watch because it's so different than any other sport. Playoff hockey, is, it's so unpredictable. Like Usually the best team in hockey doesn't win the championship, rarely ever. Because, like, the for example, the uh, St. Louis Blues through the NHL, um, they were the champions last year. At the end of February, they were the worst team in the league, and they went all the way back, won a playoff spot, and won the championship. That's why hockey is so cool, because you get such unexpected things like that. And I don't think it's like that in any other sport. Because that's not going to happen in the NBA. There's not going to be a team, like a crazy underdog team that's going to come up and beat, and beat the Lakers. That's just not going to happen. But in a sport like hockey, where it's so fast-paced and it's so dependent on depth, it could. Yeah, and you also have your your playoff pools a little bit more deeper. And that's what that's what's kind of an impact. So you look at the NFL, well, the NFL actually added more playoff teams. But if you look at the MLB, there's only a select couple teams that make the playoffs. It's bigger this year, though. It's yeah, it bigger is bigger. this year, which I'm excited for. That wouldn't impact the Cubs much. Like, the one year the Cubs don't need an extra playoff spot, it's, it's probably going to be this year if the starting pitching can hold up. But it's all about momentum in hockey. It's all about momentum in any, any sport. And if the Blackhawks are able to keep this up, if Corey Crawford can play at the level that he did again, uh, Hawks have a, a relative chance. And, you know, anytime that you can put up a fighting stand and not get sweeped, you know, that's a big thing for a young program that should continue to grow. I mean, Crawford had 48 saves. 48 saves. After, that is so tough as a goalie, especially when you're – when you got people in the crease and you have so, there's so much traffic, that is probably, in my opinion, one of the hardest positions in all sports. I think hockey goalie is one of the hardest, and NFL quarterback is one of the hardest, and MLB catcher. Those three, an MLB catcher, a goalie, and a quarterback, are so hard to do because you have to know so much, and you have to be. And if you're bad, if you're a bad NHL goalie, your team loses the game. Like you have so much pressure on your shoulders. Yeah, no, it's. <laughs> that's true. I mean, obviously your defense plays a little bit of a role, but if you can't contest the puck, there's no point, right? And yeah. yeah, I mean, that's what it is. Hopefully the Hawks are able to put up a sand. Golden Knights are obviously a very good team, high fast, high scoring offense, and they also have a very solid defense. They limit a lot of shots on goal, but you know we'll see how things turn out for the Hawks, and it's going to be a great game to catch. So I know you wanted to talk a little bit more about the NBA. How are things looking over there in the bubble? So 
So, well, first of all, we're going to go outside the bubble because the Bulls just fired Jim Boylan, who is probably the worst coach I've ever witnessed in a Chicago sport. Like, he's that bad. He's worse than Mark Trestman. What would make you and say that? Our, he's just, he's just like an old head. Like, he is the type of guy that they were, Bulls were down 20 against Indiana in December, and he called a timeout with 13 seconds left in the game. It made the whole team wait there as he yelled at them. He was an awful coach. He didn't understand the modern day of basket, modern day basketball. Because the NBA is the most, it's changed so much since the 90s. It's changed so much since I started watching it. He was such a bad coach. He's such behind the times. Thank God he is gone. I hope the Bulls somehow figure out a way to get a new coach that's more modern, that can fit the modern game. Because I feel like the Bulls, if they can rebuild correctly, and if the ping pong ball falls their way on Thursday, I feel like they could build a playoff team. And playoff basketball in Chicago hasn't been the same since Derrick Rose left, which was personally one of my favorite times being a Chicago sports fan, besides the 2016 Cubs. Yeah, I mean, obviously, though, hopefully we don't get the, the curse of the double doink again, like the Maple Leafs had happen in the NHL lottery draft. Yeah. That was that was, got, that was some bad luck. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah. Hopefully. Um, other, other than the bubble, um, the Lakers have their debut. These really cool Kobe Bryant jerseys. I, I want to pick one up, but um, Damian Lillard has been going off. He dropped. Get his team to the playoffs. He dropped 53 points, which is unbelievable, especially the player he is with. He, I respect him so immensely because he is one of the guys that says, I'm not going to go chasing rings. I'm going to stay with my team till I till I die. I'm going to stay and try to go bring a ring. And he's been doing this. They're playing the Lakers as I speak right now, and I believe they're winning. So I really hope Portland wins because I think a guy that backs up his team is one of the best stories in sports, and I would love to see them advance. Yeah, I mean, it's those franchise guys that, that you love to see. I mean, as much as... And we're going to take things to the NFL now with the Jamal Adams trade. I know he wanted out of the Jets really bad. And, you know, yeah. you're like, okay, do what's best for you. I know, you know, we know you want the money, whatnot. We, all, we know you want the success and the fame. But you love to hear it when a guy just stays with their team. Like, I'm really hoping for the Cubs that the Cubs mm-hmm. just extend Anthony Rizzo forever. Just forever. Have him being played in baseball mm-hmm. until he's 80. For, for all I care. Uh, I mean... Obviously, hopefully the same with Chris Bryant, but if Rizzo doesn't get re-signed, I don't know what I'm going to do. But you love to hear those guys that just don't go off hunting success, hunting their own ego, right? You love those guys that, yeah, are, team, that are team orientated, that you know might even take a pay cut so that their team can have a better chance for success. You know, you love to hear those stories, and those are the the players that every GM dreams of. But, you know, you don't get those all the time. So it's great when you no. see one, and, and those are the guys that you really want to root for. But if we're going to take things over. Yeah, they're your unicorns. If we're going to take things over to the NFL now, right, we got to look inside uh, a little bit of some Bears training camp, which is uh, good news. I mean, we've, got our, our, we've had two of our 14 padded practices going on so far, and so far in Hallis Hall, things have been looking pretty good for the Bears. Obviously, uh, a couple people have opted out. Eddie Goldman is really one of the main notable ones for the Bears defense. He was pretty much a, a run-soaking sponge, and that should kind of sting the Bears' offense or defensive line for at least a little bit. But I'm not too worried about the defense, especially with the addition of Robert Quinn 
over the offseason. And I think that's just going to be a monster front between Mack, Hicks, and Quinn. You got Max and Quinn on the outside, right? Just pass rushers. Then you got Hicks up the middle, soaking up the run. It, it's going to be something beautiful to watch. And I feel like this defense could be very special this year, possibly even getting back to the 2018 standards if Jalen Johnson can hold his own. Yeah, it's the defense has taken two big problems with uh, well Eddie Goldman and then today Artie Burns on the cornerbacks towards ACL, so he's going to be out for the year too, which is a blow because the secondary was a little weak already. And I was pretty excited to see Burns because he's a veteran presence in the locker room for in the cornerback room, but it stinks that his ACL is hurt towards ACL. But I hope he can get better. I hope the Bears could get some more effort out of the cornerback spot because. I felt like the secondary was really weak last year, especially late in the season. Uh, I believe that was mostly Amu Kamara, and I feel like they, they addressed that well. Obviously, Kyle Fuller is going to do Kyle Fuller things, and Eddie Jackson's going to do Eddie Jackson things. And, you know, when you have a weak link in the secondary, that you can just keep going to that guy. It's not like when you have a pass rusher or a linebacker where you can kind of cover someone up. When you're one-on-one in corner, if you have a poor corner – it's game over. It doesn't matter how good your other cornerback is if you can constantly beat that one guy, right? And then when you have to pull a safety over to help, your interception totals are going to go down. So hopefully Jalen Johnson is the answer. They obviously spent a pretty high draft capital on him with a second-round pick. So, I mean, we'll see how that turns out. But, you know, if he can hold his own, I feel like this Bears defense definitely has top three upside. Yeah, I, I really hope the Bears are good. I mean, optimism is such a thing in Chicago when it comes to, especially the, the Bears teams of recent years, because there's always this optimism coming in, and it usually comes down. It's in 2018 where it really didn't. It just, I feel like Bears fans are either being way too optimistic or way too pessimistic, and there's no battle ground. And I don't think, I think this Bears team is either going to be above our expectations or just crash and burn. It's a pretty big year for the Bears, because they can do pretty well. They still stay in their contender role, but if they if they don't do good this year and they have quarterback problems and things and things more show up with the offensive line and more problems start arising, that's not good news to the Bears. And we could be looking at another a potential another rebuild if something like another disastrous season happens. Well, the thing is that the Bears don't find the answer at quarterback this season if Trubisky is not able to step up or if Foles doesn't seem like a long-term answer. Obviously... The smart move of Ryan Pace would be to draft another quarterback, but we never know, for all we know. But, yeah, obviously we'd hate to go and rebuild, but one thing I kind of noticed is last year almost everything that could have possibly gone wrong went wrong, right? The turnovers were gone. There were no more turnovers, right, on defense. Our differential was a plus zero versus a plus 12 in 2018, right? Offensively, None of Nagy's play calls worked. Tariq Cohen was non-existent. The running game didn't work at all. Trubisky couldn't hit wide open receivers, right? Everything that could have possibly gone wrong for this Bears team went wrong, and they still finished 8-8, eight and eight, right? So now you have two quarterbacks, right? So you, Mike Tagliere of Fantasy Pros, if, you, if you're a big fantasy football guy, you should go check him out. He's a really cool guy. But he made a really cool comment the other day, and pretty much what he said was in Chicago with these two quarterbacks, Trubisky and Foles, you have double the opportunity for competent quarterback play. And what this Bears team needs is 
They don't need a Russell Wilson. They don't need a Patrick Mahomes. Obviously, if they did, that'd be amazing, and they'd be Super Bowl contenders. But with this defense, and with guys like Allen Robinson, and David Montgomery should take a step forward this year, all we need is competent quarterback play. So if you have that play from your quarterback, right, and you're able to have make have these other playmakers in the field, the Bears should easily be able to make the playoffs versus a team like Green Bay, whose defense is not that great, and all they have is Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Jones, who they obviously must not have too much faith in if they drafted A.J. Dillon, and Devontae Adams. I, I don't see why the Bears can't go 10-6 and six when their floor last year was eight and eight. Yeah, I I have optimism with it, and I think we'll be better. I think we're going to go nine and eight this year, and I think hopefully we'll make the playoffs. That's my prediction. Nine and seven. But, <laughs> we don't play seventeen nine, seven, games. Seven, but did, did I say nine and eight? Yeah, nine seven. I'm just Thank hoping you. we get sixteen games in. That you never know now, and all it takes is again one of these teams blowing up and. I understand how much of a, a statistical problem it would be to do a bubble, but if there was a bubble for the NFL, that would just make me feel so much better and more safe. As a football fan overall and as a fantasy football fan, it kind of it kind of is just nerve-wracking for me to the fact, like, what am I going to do this fall if there is no football? Yeah, I have no idea what I'm going to do. Honestly, I don't. I really hope there's going to be football, and I think there will be football, because I think the NFL is too, they, they like their money way too much to give up on it, and I don't think they're going to be forced their hand to, but there, there will be people that will get sick. They'll be selling your favorite players. We'll be on the coronavirus list, or whatever they're calling it. Yeah, it's, it, just, it's a matter of, can they get over it, and can they not force it from spreading team to team? If they can keep it in the teams, it should be okay, but you just can't have something that's happening in the MLB that happened in the MLB with the Cardinals, the Cardinals, the Marlins, because that could be, that could end the season if they play another team and they spread and spread and spread. I saw this thing the other day, and it's if NFL players want to play a full NFL season, they're gonna have to revert their ways and become snitches. And I just started laughing at this because yeah. that's literally at every NFL player. There's like a code to not snitch, pretty much, right? And but the thing is, if you catch a guy out at a bar, you have to say something, right? Obviously, Clevenger for the Indians, he's a starting pitcher there, risked his entire team by partying out at a bar and then flying with the team back on the plane the next day and not telling anyone. Like, if he did end up with COVID, that whole team is shut down, right? So players are going to have to hold each other accountable for this season to work. And, you know... Things have already gone in place, like where the Bears, they recently just announced that they're not going to be fans at the stadiums. And I've seen things from down in Florida, Jacksonville, there's going to be there's going to be no more fans at stadiums. I've seen, I think the Chiefs are at 20% capacity or something like that. And they're not going to be, yeah. I mean, obviously there's going to be different reassessment points. But for now, there's going to be no fans in the NFL, which is going to be really wild because is there going to be a home field advantage anymore? Or, because usually for snap counts and whatnot, that really plays an advantage to the home team. But I I don't know anymore. It's going to be really interesting. It's going to be a really interesting season this year. Just hoping we have one. And 
We'll see how the Bears do, and hopefully they're doing pretty good. I mean, if you want to look and address the elephant in the room with the, the quarterback competition, uh, a couple notes are on day one, Foles had just a bit of a slight edge. Obviously, they were very similar. There were some, sadly, there were some drop passes that should have been sweet completions for. It's going to happen early in the early in the year, but there were some drop passes that would have been sweet completions for both Trubisky and Foles. Trubisky did throw a ball on day one that probably should have been picked off over the middle, but it was dropped. Foles didn't really make any mistakes, but in day two, Trubisky took a big step forward. He was he threw a sweet corner out to Cole Komet, which sadly fell out of his hands, and he hit Allen Robinson on a fade for a touchdown, which was some good news. But Foles regressed a little bit. He threw two balls that definitely should have been picked off. One of them was, and he just didn't seem as there mentally. Uh, obviously, Cordell Patterson believes in uh, his old veteran quarterback now in Mitch Trubisky. Doesn't that sound weird to say, veteran? He doesn't seem like it in the pocket, but... He sees. He says he sees a whole new quarterback, which is obviously which is something impressive. I mean, Trubisky was working over the offseason, changing up his mechanics, getting his mind straight, watching his own film. For me personally, I have a lot of faith in him, and it's just for one reason: is every time that Trubisky has been backed into a corner, he has succeeded. Right? If you look last year at that drive against the Broncos in Week Two. Right? Bears needed to get in field goal range. Trubisky got it done. Right? You go back 2018 against the Eagles. Right? No one talks about the drive that Trubisky led the Bears down the field. All they talk about is the missed field goal. But we have to remember that Trubisky got them in that place. And that was one of the best games he played all season. I mean, the stats won't say it, but that was definitely one of the best games he played. When he's had his back to a wall, when there's been pressure on him, he hasn't gotten in his own head. He's just played his game. And you can see some of that raw talent that he has. And obviously you can see kind of why Pace drafted him number two overall. I mean, obviously, Watson was the better quarterback. And we can obviously see that now. But if Trubisky can fix his head, fix his feet, and fix his arm slot, I don't know. We could have a pretty good quarterback on our hands here. I and mean, that's just that's my viewpoint. Some people are going to say Foles is the better quarterback, but, you know, obviously every analyst can say what they want. It comes down to what Coach Matt Nagy sees and the quarterback's coach and John Filippo, and hopefully we can, we can get some wins this season. So Nagy says he's in a good place mentally. So, you know, every compliment on a Nagy, and Nagy's not a guy that's just going to freely give out compliments. I yeah, Nagy is the top. Nagy's kind. Of, I like kind of like how tough Nagy is on these guys. With that, I'm hearing a lot of stuff about about the Bears, and you always you're going to hear a ton of stuff this year. You're going to hear things about during things about Foles. I just it's it's a shame that it's like this quarterback Cam. The change Mitch hasn't panned out, but I really think people maybe even up on Mitch maybe a little a year too early. Maybe I'm saying that right now, and I haven't had to watch Mitch play in I don't know six months and you could come back to me in November when Mitch, is, Mitch gets benched or why I want Mitch to get benched because that, that day will probably come this year when I'm going to turn on Trubisky but I just I hope things change will they? probably not but I hope so 
Well, if you look at Drew Brees, right, and I think we can all say Drew Brees is, oh, man, you're you know, comparing, oh, you're not doing that right now, no, are you? Um, are you comparing Mitch to Drew Brees? Yes, I am. I am. I'm, I'm completely comparing. Okay, okay. I'm, I'm comparing I, Mitch I, to, I love to, to Drew Brees, okay? If you look at Drew Brees' first three years as a quarterback, I think it actually might have been his four. I'll look it up right now. Through the first five years of his career, Here's his completion percentage, 55.6%, 60%, 57%, 65%, 64%, right? I mean, he's throwing for 3,000 yards, 2,000 yards, right? I mean, all those numbers are very similar to Mitchell Trubisky's numbers, right? And then after that fifth year, head coach change, mentality change, right? Everything changed. He went from a quarterback that had a, a 57% completion percentage to over 70. And for the last four years, five years actually, he's had an over 70% completion percentage. You know, I'm not saying that Mitchell Trubisky is Drew Brees. I'm not, I'm not saying that. But I'm saying we've seen it before. When a player can change his mentality, when a cha- player has the, has the e- not the ego, but... You know, has the recognition to realize something is wrong, to have the ability to change, to change his form, to change his mindset, to watch his own film and pick it apart. I really think that Trubisky could take a step forward this year. I definitely think he can beat out Foles. And, you know, Trubisky beating yeah. out Foles would be the best option for this Bears team. Because is Foles going to be a long term quarterback for the Bears? Nope. No chance in heck. That's not going to happen, right? Trubisky still has that potential. And I know if you want to say Trubisky's, you know, first two years weren't great. Last year was terrible. 2018 was, you know, pretty standard. But, you know, if you take away last year, his numbers aren't awful, right? I'm not saying he's great. But he's yeah. changed all these things mentally. And, you know, if his accuracy gets better, if his footwork gets better, and his mindset's fixed, I really think we could have a special quarterback on our hands. So that's going to do it for us for here at Rivals Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. I'm Jacob Siciliano. I'm Noah Hamilton. We'll see you next time. <laughs>